like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Live on Four Legs Pod. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring Mr. Stone Gossip. Fucking Cameron in the truck. everybody now welcome to live on four legs the definitive live pearl jam podcast and also welcome to tour month yes everybody we have shows 12 of them as a matter of fact that hey yours truly and john's truly will be covering them in complete form as we've done the whole entire year We've been going through and we've been doing reaction episodes. We've been doing the live set list updates and it's all because we just love covering their live catalog. And we just, obviously we've been doing it for four years now. It's literally almost our four year anniversary coming up in a week or so, but it's something that we had been waiting for, for a long time. And even that this is the third leg and this is hopefully not the last leg of the tour, but is probably going to be the last leg that we get another chance to do this and it's just as exciting as it was back in may and hope you guys are excited for it too i know a lot of people have a lot of tickets to a lot of shows here but the first one is going to be quebec city and if you're listening to this on wednesday it's going to be tomorrow hopefully a lot of you are listening in that are preparing for tomorrow's show and that are up there hopefully and getting ready And that's why today we're going to be doing the 2016 show from Quebec City. So why not get into that right now? Randy Sobel over here, John Farrar over there. Hello, hello. Yep, we're back. Pearl Jam is back. It's time to get on the horse again. It's been a bumpy road, to say the least, but we're going to give it one last go and see how it goes. And this is the one that I think, you know, you and I have both kind of circled because this is the one where we're finally going to get out there and really get some shows under our belt and really kind of be part of the experience ourselves so yeah Yeah. really really looking forward to this i know you've been waiting since 2020 i was able to get some action last year but you know then i haven't seen them since 2016 it'd be but i'm i'm saying like you had the tickets at least to this one you know i went to some 2018 shows so yeah that that's kind of i crossed that off but not getting those shows earlier this year in vegas and sacramento was definitely it was a downer and i feel like Almost that they were never supposed to happen in a way in this fashion. And it's hard for me to kind of explain that because 
because they didn't happen and because we all know where we stand right now and what happened on those days is that I don't think I'd ever had a show happen to me like that before. You had it happen with Raleigh and mm-hmm. that they canceled it a couple of days before. And, you know, now it feels like the majority of fans, you know, since a lot of people are over in Amsterdam, a lot of people are over at the West Coast, a lot of people were supposed to go to that Vegas show. A lot of people kind of feel that way now. And it's since that moment I was able to, I've been to probably half a dozen, maybe not more concerts. And I always kind of feel like, even though I I've loved every single show that I went to this year, I always kind of feel like they're always just kind of the tune up for when I go and see Pearl Jam. And it's, I think that moment when I'm going to be there, it's going to be a lot more emotional than I think I'm prepared for. Yeah, and I can see that. Yeah, yeah just for, on that. right. And I don't think I would have felt that in Sacramento or Vegas. Because, you know, I had been to a show, what, uh, seven or eight months before. So it's not like a long-term sort of thing where I've been waiting for a long time, like in between 2014, 2016 or something like that, or or 2016, 2018. But now you got one crossed off. You you missed one. So, and this goes to everybody that is in the same situation. You just got to kind of take it in and really enjoy and appreciate every single minute of this. That's what it's all going to be about. And hopefully we're begging for this to just go right. That, you know, nobody gets COVID, that Ed doesn't lose his voice, that nothing happens outside of that, that has to prevent them from doing a show, that we can get 12 straight and be all right. And then after the 12, have a full scope of what happened in 2022 Pearl Jam wise. Yeah, it would really, I think, give them some positive momentum going into to 2023 if they could get through this unscathed. And I think they really need a win on this. Like, it would really be tragic if something happened and when we don't get all these shows. You don't want to end the year on a, on a downer. And they have kind of made the best of it, and it, it's led to some cool moments. But yeah, I'm with you. Let's let's get through these. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's doing good. The voice is in good shape. And then I think that would really give them a boost, you know, leading into hopefully, you know, working on a new record, getting a tour and continuing this momentum into 2023. I think that would really help. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, it's been such a struggle. You know, you got to give it back to the last now three years, you know, from going from 2020 into this year that it's just it, it's had such an uphill climb to get to this point. And now since we're here we're, it still feels like we're climbing uphill. It still feels like we're battling this a little bit. And it's a tough situation to be put in because it's not just the band that's battling it, but it's all of us. We're all kind of battling it together because, you know, at, at this point, you go back to the European tour, like things were happening and shows were rolling on. They did 13 shows in a row in Europe and then just have to hold it and announce it the day of the show as people are just about to file into the building. There's the sense of like just you're battling with them, you know. You're in with yeah. this fight with them because nobody's nobody's mad at Ed for sure, sure. dealing with this because you know he's like 57 years old. Like this is gonna happen, but it's such a g- crazy thing that we're able to sort of say this because it makes sense to say this that the band and and the community all have the same battles together and they all kind of 
get out of it together. And, and I think that's just what we all want out of it commutatively is that we all just want this to be okay. I think when it, it ends and hopefully we get the outcome that we get, I think everybody will have some really fantastic memories from 2022. Yeah, it's going to be memorable one way or the other. So, yeah, I'm excited to get it started. And yeah, I can't believe it's tomorrow. We're already going to be back on it. And if tomorrow's show is anything like this one, it's going to be it's going to be great. They're going to be in a good mood and feeling good about it. So the first show is always good. We we know that tomorrow's happening. So we, we at least we at least got that one and we'll build from there. Do you have like any wild prediction? Because we, we saw like the first the first show in Pink Pop, and I know that's that's a festival show, but how they kind of curated the set. But it was also for a couple of shows after that, they were just kind of easing into getting into the more rarer stuff or the you know the stuff that they don't play every single night. So what do you what do you expect from the first night out? You know, I wish I could I could come here and be like, oh, they're gonna play you know, seven or eight gigaton songs. But yeah, I think they're going to, again, try to start off pretty conservatively. You know, you might get one or two of the deep cuts, but I think they're going to start off slow and they're going to build up to something as they get further on. So this could come back to bite me, but I wouldn't expect anything too outside the box. I'm hoping that they just kind of play it, take it easy to get back on the horse, see how it feels, and then then take it from there. I think set list-wise... I'm looking at two shows that setlist wise, I think are going to end up being the shows of the tour because it's always, you know, it always doesn't come up on weekends. It's always in places that you least expect. And because it's the third show of this little run, I'm expecting Hamilton to get something really good. Mm. And, you know, it's unexpected. I think it's on a Monday or a Tuesday. So they like to pull out those kind of shows in the middle of the week like that. But you know, you, you know that you you're going to get big shows out of Toronto MSG, the whole stretch of Nashville going in. But I also think that Camden, a little bit of Camden, the same way it's, it's on a Wednesday and you've got a break uh, that that's one that they've got a couple of days of right of rest have, before. So yeah, they have the Monday and Tuesday. So, yep. you know, because it's, it's not exactly New York city and it's not exactly Philadelphia, but you could say it's it's Philadelphia. Essentially, I think that there are going to be a lot of like key songs that you're not expecting in that set, especially because they haven't played there in a very, very long time. So I, th- I think that Hamilton and Camden are going to be the two to look at when uh, when we talk about these shows this year. But we could be wrong. It could be everything else. Who knows? That's why it's so exciting, and that's why we talk about it in anticipation like this, because it's just, what what's better than this, you know? You guys tune in, and you want to hear this stuff, so we, we're in the same boat as you. That's, that's all we got to say. We're in the same boat. We're just as excited as you guys are, and we want to help fulfill that excitement and, and just be a part of your intake of all of it, and hopefully that's working. Now, let's talk a little bit about, you know, before, obviously, the, the middle of the show, Patreon kind of thing, but we are going to be doing the reaction episodes again for Patreon, and we, we're going to kind of work at it off the fly a little bit, too, because there's just a lot that's going to be going on. Me going to seven shows, John going to at least two of those seven and it's going to be hard to sort of edit and put together, but we're going to make a valiant effort on that. And we can say with ease that the first three, the Quebec and the Ottawa and the Hamilton, will be out the next day for you guys to check out. And look, although we have a lot of stuff covered, 
we're always going to look for people. If you are going to those shows and you want to relay the set list to us, because I think we have one or two people that are going to be out there that can, but if you're interested, just hit us up, you know, send us a message on social media on Twitter or Facebook, or send us an email at live on four legs podcast at gmail.com. And if you're interested in the reaction episodes, just sign up to Patreon, patreon.com slash live on four legs, and all of the episodes will live there. And hopefully that's a good, you know, wake you up in the morning type thing. If you didn't get the chance to, to listen to a live stream or something the night before, you know, that's your opportunity to catch up all in the morning like that. So with that being said, it's interesting that Quebec City was put on this little Canadian grouping, just this four shows up in both Ontario and Quebec that they are going back here. And I think this show is a huge catalyst as to why. It has to be, right? Definitely. Like I said, they're in a great mood. You can tell right from the very beginning that they're happy to be there. Everyone's like joking around, having a great time, smiling, great energy on stage. They're kind of coming off of the high of those two Philly shows where they did 10. And that was a big, big moment. And then you go into coming off of playing MSG again, and now you're going up and they're they're leading towards the Toronto shows, and we know what happened there where they did binaural. You know, you look at this and you're like, well, they knew what they were going to do because you're getting four binaural songs out of the first, what, eight or nine here? Like, they knew what they were doing. But, yeah, a, a great show, great crowd, and I can see where they would want to kind of repay that and, and give these fans another taste. Yep, and 2016, it's had so many surprises that I think everybody obviously goes back to those three full album songs, but, you know, I think you can kind of put this show as one of the the under-the-radar ones that, you know, nobody seems to, a lot of it has to do with that East Coast bias that just kind of swings around this community a little bit, and, you know, we've had good shows in Virginia, we had good shows in Florida, and you don't hear them talk about this Quebec City show too often because it, it is sandwiched. Like you said, it's sandwiched kind of in between that Toronto and MSG and Philly shows that always get talked about just because of where they are. So we are here to kind of end that stigma today to say that if you have never listened to the Quebec City 2016 show, well, maybe you should. And maybe we'll start right here. So you mentioned binaural. And yeah, there's going to be a lot of binaural and early going here. So we're going to kick off with the one that you expect to be the opener if you are doing binaural, and that's Of The Girl. Man, 
I thought that Mike was tremendous on this. And, and you know, just a heads up for the binaural stuff, but Mike is dominant on the binaural songs of this show. He's fantastic. And I think that a lot of what this version of the girl was, you know, the loud, every single note of that ringing out, like it's a ton of electricity that Mike is bringing to this. And it feels like he's sort of getting louder as he goes along. And also like a little extension at the end too, that means like, you know, they were feeling it as a group. And that means like, it's like, okay, go Mike, go. Let's, let's see what you got here to open up this show. And I thought that this was in every way, like a fantastic way to get you into this. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Mike was a standout. Also, I really liked Stone's kind of slow motion groove that he was doing really kind of digging into the feel of the song but i think too you know even before that they even i think they come out to master slave again kind of trying to recapture some of that philadelphia energy i think that really kind of buoyed everybody especially the crowd because you hear that and you're immediately at least for me i'm I'm immediately 13 years old again you know press and play on that 10 cd so that that kind of gets everyone going and of the girl yeah nice lead in for for what would come but always a good opener you know no matter if they're going to play the full binaural record six days later or not you know what's funny is that like the slow burn kind of like the traditional openers for 2016 had gone by the wayside a little bit and i think mostly of the msg shows that i went to and they opened with go on the first night with the original drum intro and everything like that and the bass and then the next night they opened with Corduroy. And I think a lot of different shows, I think there was one where they opened with Why Go. Obviously the album shows, the Philly show opened with Once and the Greenville show opened with Corduroy, I believe too, right? Yeah, yep. I think so, both nights in Philadelphia, they opened up with Once. They Yes, that's right. Yeah. That's right, yeah. they did. I thought that that was a little weird that the next night they would come out and do it again. But you know, once Evenflow comes next, it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. don't really yeah. care about that anymore. But. I wouldn't say that this is the first one, but this is one of a few that is more traditional in that sense. And it doesn't lead to the three song slow burn, but we do get small town afterwards with a, a French count in that under toi tries to get that in. And it's good atmospheric sound and it's a good crowd that at that moment, it seemed like they really were excited to hear them for the first time since 2005. That's 11 years. That's a long time for any band. So, you know, to get fired up and excited right away, that's exactly what you want. On Small Town 2, you can tell the band's in really good form. I think Mike spends the whole time walking around the stage just waving at people and pointing at people and saying hi. And like, yeah, they're just in a great mood. You can tell the, the energy is really good on stage. So the next song, they kind of get into it and you, you kind of hear the last exit beat a little bit. And you're like, oh, last exit out of all that. Yeah, give me that. And then it just comes to a halt. So no Matt's last exit. Gun. Yep. This little section is once in the last exit in the God dies. And I think what's important about this a little bit is that I was listening to the pace and it sort of sounded like once at first was a little off in a way until I realized that no, it's just being played at more of a groove. Shelly, dare say it was more cruising like I don't know, kind of in that fashion. But for these three songs, I felt like Matt was putting more of a groove to it than a drive that he usually does. It definitely got that Tenadelphia bump 
right? Like, there's no way once is played here if they hadn't done the whole record just a few days before, a week before. It's only here because they liked the way it was sounding in Philadelphia, and they were like, oh, let's bring that back early on. Because it is kind of, you look at this on paper, it is the outlier. You know, they obviously opened with it in Philadelphia, but it had been a long time since once had, had been a regular in the early part of the set. But yeah, you get it. It's, it's a big crowd moment. It almost is kind of the bridge between that slow burn and then the little mini punk rock set that's going to come. So Yeah, and actually to kind of expand on the point of like after Philadelphia them feeling it, I believe it was one of the MSG shows, I want to say the second night, it was either number two or number three in the set. I, mm-hmm. I want to say it started off Corduroy, Mind Your Manners once. So that makes there a whole lot of sense that they were yeah. hot on it at that point. Yeah, for sure. Especially after that show where it's obviously a legendary show and it's a classic. So, But look, this is a good way to start you off. God's Dice, especially in the 2010s, is never left for the opening section like this or if it is it's super incredibly rare and obviously that's them being cognizant of okay we're practicing for this and we want to go for the full album but even so like four four is so much it's so much that you're getting and i i I feel like there's a point that i want to make later with maybe another record that feels sort of similar to that maybe nowadays that we can get into but yeah look i kind of like the groove and all this i think in last exit there was a line change to i think it was like finally in quebec or something like that so it's fun from early on and and now after the three ed's gonna address the audience by saying bonsoir and a bunch of french that i don't understand so you're more of a liaison to the foreign languages so i'm gonna let you have it on this yeah, like I, I did take a few years of French back in school, and I, I can hold my own a little bit. I'm definitely better. My accent is better than Ed's is at the show. This was interesting to me because I normally don't understand what he's saying, especially, you know, some of the South American languages, Portuguese and things like that, too. But it's rare that I can hear what he's saying in the different language and understand. And I realized that his French is very bad. His Portuguese could be good or bad. I don't know. His German could be good or bad. I don't know. But hearing this and knowing what he's trying to say and hearing the words like it's it's not good and i was able to to make out a little bit of it he says after 11 years it's our pleasure to return thanks to you and then something i couldn't make out and then he says this is the last time and then there's some booze from the crowd like i don't know if they they thought he was going to break up the band on stage or something but he says this is the last time i will speak french tonight because my French is shit. So was that what the crowd was cracking up at at the end? Because yeah. there's something at the end that the crowd apparently thought was hilarious. So, okay, that, that makes sense. Merde is the French word for shit. And he says, you know, gotcha. my French is merde. Yeah. Gotcha. But I think even more important than that little French speech, which obviously, merci, John, that for, for doing oh. that and and translating that for everybody but i think more importantly because i think we have to plant the seeds for this ed is recognizing somebody in front and says i know you you're a guitar player thanks for coming i'll see you later that's all you need to know for now that's coming back but i think that every time that ed speaks a language that isn't english he usually says my fill in the blank is shit so there you go he's fluent in the word for shit in many many languages by now Good for him. That would be something that we all should strive to to happen to us. <laughs> Inflow is in the sixth spot here, and I think the most important aspect in this is Ed throwing the mic to somebody in the crowd. 
at first of the second, I, I wasn't sure if he threw it to the person that he just talked to. I don't think he did, but you see him reach out, throw the mic, and somebody gets the mic and doesn't quite fulfill the duty of getting all the lyrics down. But that's okay, because sometimes you can do that on Even Flow. I think that it's a song that you can pretty much lose yourself in and just be like, all right, well, it's the mumble song. Essentially. And it's a lot so, of pressure to be throwing the microphone. Sure. And been like, okay, go. And who knows, like, they yeah. could be French and, and not really know it as well and not be comfortable with it. But is there anything from Even Flow that you thought was particularly special here? Uh, Cameron gets a little drum solo. He does. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that was a nice touch. Absolutely. Yep. You know, nowadays, I think it's kind of, you know, here and there a little bit, but it's more of like a 2006 avocado tour kind of thing. We get three in a row here from albums that we usually don't hear from too often. And these, you could say, it's a pretty rare section from Pilot into Light Years into Sever Hand right here. Very good. And Pilot caught my ear. And that usually doesn't happen. Talking it's because the crowd participation on this song is never at its top level because they don't play it live very often a lot of people don't draw themselves into pilot you know it being sort of a middle deepish cut off off a yield but i've usually kind of passed it by because of that but this one has some bite to it this has an opportunity here to sound fun. It usually doesn't have like this this fun vibe. They were playing along with it. They were doing the background vocals. Like it felt like it moved a little bit more than other versions. It didn't have as much as that acoustic drive to it that maybe uh, initial versions have. I thought that this was very good for Pilot. Yeah, it was definitely like doing a lot of emoting and like acting out a lot during this version. It hadn't been that long, I think, since they played it, so there may be a little more pressure on it. But it feels like we've gotten Pilot on the podcast a lot recently, so we're kind of like on a streak with it a little bit. But the one that stuck out for me was Light Years on this. I love this version of Light Years. Oh, I'm not um, saying that the Light Years didn't stick out yeah, for me. Yeah. You talked about it's uh, going in order. pace earlier on, on once. I thought the pace on Light Years was fantastic. It had a bunch of dedications, which we talked about it, you know, a, a little while back where you know, Ed's kind of feeling all of this stuff when he's playing the song. I thought Light Years had a fantastic solo. Ed and Jeff have a moment. So, yeah, that that was the one that stuck out to me. Yeah, I agree with the camera factor here. It just is back to that drive that we're so familiar with. And the little pieces that I love within the song, the way that he has this stop and go motion, especially at the end, kind of waiting for that, that little point. And wherever you've gone. 
boom, and it kind of gets back into it that way. That makes for a good moment, and that makes for a moment where I think anybody who pays attention to the live catalog knows when it's coming and can kind of feel and like wait for something like that. I thought that that was very, very good. It's just a radiant version of the song. And there's going to be a speech in a little while that I wonder if that was kind of the, the reason for playing Light Years may have had to do with something that they were thinking in that speech as well. So we'll get to that. You know, I mentioned that the binaural songs here, there were four of them being played. There's a record now that feels like it's become the new binaural, and I think that's Avocado. And we've seen it played very, very few times this year. But even before this year, still, like, every now and again, you get a a wasted reprise and a life wasted thrown in. But we've only had two different ones be played in 2022, and that's Come Back and Inside Job. And Severed Hand, which is happening here, great to hear in 2016, it seems like... It was one of those songs that after the avocado era and into the backspace era sort of stuck around a little bit every other night sort of thing. But it felt like around Lightning Bolt, it really got cut from the chopping block after a while. Yeah, it did seem like it had a a longer life than, you know, like your worldwide suicides and unemployable and parachutes and and things like that. But it's one of those that's just kind of dropped off a little bit more and more every year. And yeah, they haven't brought it back since 2018. So now, you know, that'll be one that I'll be looking for on this on this final leg of the year. Now this will be in my brain too, like, because you got four binaural songs here and we know what happened. So if there's a night when they do four avocado songs or four Riot Act songs, it's going to be like, oh, oh, what's coming up? What's coming right, up? Right, right. And yes, they've done the full album before back in yep. Torino yep. in 2006. But that's, look, this is a different era. I also think that maybe with the way that they're doing things now, I think we've kind of passed the yeah, opportunity to get full ship albums. Ship probably sailed, yeah. Right. All right, moving on to another four here. It's Corduroy, You Are, Mind Your Manners, and Whipping. It seems like even at this point that all of the albums are really getting into the heavy rotation a little bit. I don't think they've done no code yet, but everything else almost has been thrown in. Little notes, not not too much on this section a little bit, but little notes, Corduroy, I noticed that when they go into that Colin's response moment, I think it's when they break it all down and, and the crowd is supposed to take it with the everything as chains part. And it didn't hear that from this crowd. I think they were a little just perplexed with the newer version of what Corduroy became. And I think that they were just kind of tossed up until they, a couple people heard what some of the others in the crowd did. And they were like, okay, now they pick it up towards the end. But it felt like even the call and response a little bit needed some grooming and plant needed to be fed a little bit. It took a while to get this going. They hadn't played here in 11 years, so give the crowd a break. They might not have been ready for that. It's not going to work every night when you try something like that. But the one for me that stuck out was You Are. I thought it had, a, again, Stone had a really nice groove on it, and Ed sounded absolutely great. I thought that the drum machine sound for Stone's guitar was kind of, like, scratchy and distorted on this. I don't know if you got that I like that, this. though. I like that, though. Give okay. a little bit of a bite to it. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't. I didn't think anything wrong with it at all. I, was, I think it was just something that you don't really hear from versions of that. So I was actually wondering if it was on the right setting for the drum mm-hmm. machine. But who knows? It, it sounded really good. I, I don't think there's ever been a version of "You Are" that I've been like, eh, no, it's 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 a great song. Right. 
you know, the, the minor matters and whipping, like you get two of the punk rock songs here, you're breaking up the energy and you are is kind of the way that you're, you're building back to that. And those two probably lasts for a total of four and a half minutes or so combined. So great way to kind of cap that off and start something new here. Ed's going to talk for just a second. He talks about being a voter in America and praises Canada for being good people up there. Then talks a little bit about the Alberta wildfires that had been going on there at the time. And he said, at least they're have a leader in charge, putting climate change at the forefront of what he's trying to achieve and said, I think that this next one was written about a guy in the woods, too. And that gets to the fourth and final binaural song in the set, Nothing As It Seems. Mike didn't really do his job on this, but man, this one cuts. This is very slice and dice. Like everything just has a very sharp sound, like a razor like sound to it. And I know I'm making a lot of razor type analogies there, but that's kind of what it is and kind of what it feels like. It feels like every note is supposed to just kind of hit you in that certain way. And. You know, it, it's within the couple of solos that he has here, too. It's not like he kind of left one off and said, all right, I'm going to build to it. No, right away, he was, he was on that. And it, it kind of defined the sound for the song. Yeah, this version of Nothing As It Seems is interesting because we, we talk about the early versions and you think of it as being this really stark, dramatic, the guitar is going to come in searing and it's just going to blow you away. It's got a lot of room and space, you know, obviously being on binaural, the way it was recorded, the way that record sounds, it's going to have a lot of space around it. It's going to be kind of atmospheric and weird and kind of out there. But this version, I think by 2016, I think this version doesn't sound like that. This one sounded a little bit more full and like I wouldn't categorize, you know, nothing as it seems as a rock song necessarily. But this one felt like it had some of that space and some of those gaps were filled in. I thought it was a very different kind of version than we'd heard in a long time. That just kind of struck me. It just struck me as a really different kind of version. But yeah, anytime you get nothing as it seems, it's going to be the Mike McCready show. Well, I mean, look, what we're looking at here is part of what, John? The evolution of a song. That's right. Am I correct? So yeah, like at this point... It's pretty much become the staple of Mike, the one that he's going to have the highlight on. It's going to be his canvas. And if that's what 
they take out of the song and if that's what they think that the crowd is going to really react to in this then yeah they're going to ride off of it so you know stark was pretty good for 2000 2003 and a little bit onwards after that but this is a big arena band now like they are into creating these big atmospheric type moments and i think that a lot of those songs with Off He Goes and then a little bit with Footsteps as well that comes to mind they got rid of that sort of vibe because I think it's sort of the idea of just bringing everybody all together into this and you know maybe a little bit of not wanting songs to sort of have that touch to it so we get a really good Ed speech in Before Given a Fly and it kind of reminded me of a little bit of the conversation that we had during the St. Louis 2014 show pretty recently where they're doing a service for the fans and like it's not even the fans it's it's people that along this time that they've traveled they've met more and more people and they've had relationships and friendships that have developed it and like he gets into a really passionate speech here and when we hear about some kind of harsh tragedy or or what ultimately is the inevitable and and, and we lose one of ours, uh, one of our folks. Um, it's, uh, it gets us thinking. And, and tonight I was just thinking, you know, life is finite, you know, and it's always beautiful when it starts. Little babies and there's hope and positivity and, and beauty. And then if you're lucky, before the end, the in-between is also beautiful. But that, that's, that's hard to come by. You're lucky if it's beautiful. And, And if, you know, the hard thing is that if someone is beautiful and you're in love with them and, and, and you have a relationship for a long time and then, and then they have to leave the planet for whatever reason, the, the hard thing is, is that, that the more that you love them, the more pain you're going to feel. And, and, and so I guess maybe you just have to remember that that deep pain means that you loved them that much. It's a blessing, really. And, and what doesn't have to end, although, you know, th their existence on the planet, it still remains in us. What doesn't have to end is the impact that a good person leaves with those that they loved and those that love them. And, and sometimes they live on in the songs that we used to listen to together and dance to and all kind of things to together and grow up to together and um and and that's the case here so uh this is to valerie who's here tonight and and her great man named jan who is still here in the next song It's really beautiful and the one that stuck out to me was he's, he's talking about life and it it would have been easy to make this kind of cliched and i think in the hands of of a lot of lesser bands it would come off as being kind of pandering and being kind of kind of corny and cliched but the way ed talks about this stuff you know that he's been through this and you know that he's speaking from a point of, of experience the line that really stuck to me was like yeah you know life you know you're lucky if it's beautiful 
and yeah it just comes off it really gets you in all the different places especially you know as as you get older and you you move on in the different aspects of your life and it's the perfect tribute to this this couple you know valerie and jan who were, were together and he it's, it's a very nice dedication and one of the best that we've heard in a long time and i think it absolutely elevated this version of given to fly i think especially you know all the other guys in the band listening to this like man you can't go out and and drop the ball on a performance after a speech like this so this version of given to fly is one of the one of the best performances of the night it led to something really special yeah definitely it's reminding me again of that st louis version where he dedicated yeah. it to, to andy and unfortunately her story was you know she passed away a couple days after that show but she was able to attend that one you get to a point where he's trying to find the right words and then you get into the song and i think he's channeling all that and he's channeling a lot of how he's feeling and bringing it into that song you can tell how much passion is within this version and it feels like it's it's done for a purpose i could be one of those songs sometimes where you're looking at it and you're like okay it's bound to happen as set list and and they do it and it's fun but then you get versions like this and it's a whole nother story it becomes something else on its own when you can attach a true real life situation into it and i think that yeah that's definitely what they were channeling in this it's 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 a very very good version i agree state of love and trust is right after fun emphatic vocals a big hold on the listen ed goes out in the crowd it looked like he might have gone back to the person of the evening that we're going to get to in a little bit i think he, he has another interaction with our little friend in the front row there after this we get a little bit of a surprise I honestly didn't see this coming, and I know I've looked at the set list a bunch, but I honestly didn't see this coming. Then when it did, dare I say how much I actually love this, because my past thoughts on I'm Open have been, yeah, it's pretty transitional. Like, it's just getting you from one to the next, but for some reason, this one hit me really well. never took the time to just sit there and realize how beautiful 
this can be. I just kind of thought, all right, well, it's not the actual purpose of what the song was on the record, or maybe it's just this version was just so fantastic and above the rest that they've done, but it kind of spoke to me in this. It didn't feel transitional, it felt blossoming, and it kind of comes unexpected because you know, going into MFC, you wouldn't expect that to be the song before MFC. You usually expect Untitled, obviously, and you might expect I'm Open to be before like an Unthought Known or a Wishlist, but yeah, to get that all here, MFC definitely benefits from it because it's a soaring version of this. But yeah, this this was fantastic, these two together. It surprised our videographer on YouTube as well because as soon as it starts, you, you hear the person who's recording, I'm Open? I'm Open? Sweet. <laughs> um, so that that was funny. No, I'm, I'm with you. I, I love I'm Open. A lot of people kind of, I think, discount it as being one of those interstitial tracks on No Code. But I, I love the original version. I wish, you know, one of my white whales, someday he'll do the full album version live with the whole speech and everything. I think it's really, really good. It's absolutely beautiful. I think it just goes to show they're just this show is them on such a high in such good spirits energy is really good on stage and everything they do is is just working and yeah this is absolutely beautiful i love the way that it flows to mfc and again like i said a great version of mfc you know an absolutely great fluid melodic stone solo in mfc that really kind of brings that song home and brings it to another level so good good section here and again, you're getting a great balance, too, within giving a fly, state of love and trust, and then taking it down just for a song that, that's going to be a little bit of a piece to MFC and then kind of building it back up, especially with two hits at the end here. Why Go and Better Man are going to end your main set, and it's just big arena vibes. You know, you can feel this coming to a close, and you can feel the, the crowd saying, all right, we got one last chance on this. Energy, energy, energy. And for Better Man's purposes, obviously the crowd's going to take it away on the beginning but mike taking it away on the solo but then we get a little bit of pandering in the tag but ed is also asking for the lights up so everybody can sing together now ed keeps kind of egging him on there he's like i want it louder i want it louder and i can think that kind of goes back to what the version of corduroy was where they weren't quite they're exactly where the band needed them to be yet but you know they oblige i see where he's coming from with this and then and then he kind of does this uh, don't run away sort of like scatting version of it before the big don't let me down and it all kind of turns into just a big ending and exactly what you want out of your main set closer leaving the crowd for wanting more and when you get that feel of listening to that on a bootleg i think that's when you have something really really good
believe the Spider-Man is over eight minutes, so it's one of the more epic ones, and there's the long call and response in there too. This main set, you know, you talk about four binaural songs in a main set, plus I'm Open, plus MFC, plus UR, plus Pilot. This is one of the more kind of deep cut heavy main sets of the tour, and then you need these two kind of heavy hitters to bring it home at the end with Wago and Better Man, and yeah, it felt like it just tore the roof off. And the heavy hitters are going to be in full force. There's, there's more coming. Yeah. Encore 2 is going to be all heavy, heavy stuff. So we will get to that. But before we do, it is the Encore time. And we can pause for station identification here and talk about, well, our newest release to Patreon. Because after months and months and months of talking about it, we finally came through on our promise of putting out the Nothing Man Evolution episode. And like we said before, like the evolution episodes are one of the, our favorite things that we've done. But, you know, really, I think that for everybody listening in right now that hasn't heard one, and, and honestly, you should go back because the rearview mirror one that we put out last week is for all the people that don't subscribe to our Patreon to get a little bit of a taste to that. And that's something we put out two years ago. But just real quick, what out of nothing man's evolution did you find interesting in your research here that you're really excited for people to kind of take in and listen to? Some of the early versions where like the crowd really took it on and, and made it theirs early on. There's some really good ones, even from, you know, going back to 1996 and, and on through the whole history of the song. There's some really amazing crowd sing-alongs in, in the evolution of that one and, and what it would become. And it it's a great story that starts at the very, very beginning at kind of the genesis of the song and, and comes full circle in 2022. So yeah, it was a really fun story to tell. Yeah, I, I kind of liked the idea of starting out where like you said, coming full circle with that. And also some of the versions that, you know, maybe the band didn't know what they had with it. And out of nowhere, you kind of hear this crowd on the song that, you know, had been out for a couple of years, but they haven't really brought it into the set too often. And in 1998, where you start seeing a little bit of the crowd, 2000, 2003, you really start seeing a lot of the crowd in 2003 take it away. I think that that was kind of my favorite thing to to sort of see how that all developed and see kind of the versions where you can say, okay, that's the moment where Nothing Man can be flipped around and say, this isn't just a song that they're playing. This is a song that everybody's in there together for. That was what I was aiming for with this episode and what I think we achieved on discussing with it. So if you're into the idea of that and want more evolution episodes, which are going to be coming, we're going to be doing them more often for the end of the year. We have a couple that we know that we're going to get to. And although we don't have a timeline on it, we'll be able to let you know when it does happen. But we've done so many. If you're not on Patreon yet, and this is something that appeals to you, then you can hear versions for immortality for in my tree for present tense for footsteps for release for crazy mary for given a fly for hard to imagine for leash for state of love and trust corduroy porch wash i might be missing one or two and that's okay but if that's all stuff that you're interested in like just kind of learning about 
where these songs started and what happened to them and why they are what they are today, then I don't think you're going to get much better than that. So what you got to do in order to listen to these episodes is head on over to patreon.com slash live on four legs. You can sign up there. However, you can also download the Patreon app and just sign up there. I think that's much easier to listen to an episode on that platform. Anyway, the audio player is more like a, a Spotify or Apple podcast audio player over there but also you can sign up on live on legs.com there is an orange become a patron button if you want to help contribute the three tiers are the bonus leg tier which is a dollar per month and you can sign up and you get all of the exclusive stuff we'll mention you on the podcast as well as we're about to do with somebody that signed up this past week and the gig leg tier is the five dollar tier you can donate to that and get an episode of your choosing for us to do on the air and maybe we'll tell your story a little bit along that as well so that's enticing and then our top tier the horizon leg tier which is ten dollars a month going into our website functions and helping that out a little bit but also with that you do get the requested episode you obviously get the exclusives as well but you also get a profile on our website and a profile episode that we've done a lot of in the past as well that we're looking forward to getting all of the people that have signed up in there and and done in the future so if you're interested in all that i just told you patreon.com slash live on four legs and that's how it all starts but keep in mind this is a big month for us we got tour expenses we can use the help a little bit so if you want to chip in as little as a dollar and then get to listen to some of the stuff that we mentioned before the reaction episodes which you know when we were doing that in europe and doing that in may everybody wanted to get their hands on so i expect that people are going to be jumping on that again but hopefully you guys are going to be on top of that hopefully you guys want to listen to that so if a dollar a month makes sense for you to jump in and pitch in for that that's more than worth it i think and it also helps us with again our tour expenses getting ubers and places getting gas getting food stuff like that it all helps let's thank one person that has joined patreon this week it is ben I'm going to botch your last name, but uh, Boise Claire or Boyce Claire, I am not sure, but you can write in to us and let us know what it is and we'll fix our mistake in the next episode if we have to. But thank you so much, Ben, for joining the bonus leg tier and you'll get all of what we mentioned before, the evolution episode on Nothing Man, the new reaction episodes that'll probably the first one coming out on Friday. So hopefully you'll be excited about that and get to hear all of what happened in Quebec City and our take on it. And then for the rest of the tour as well, there'll be some special stuff over there and obviously more exciting exclusives in the future as well so if that's something that you're interested in we've had this goal in mind the hope of getting 200 patrons by the time that we hit our 200th episode this is our 197th episode so we're coming close to that we're coming really close with just one dollar a month you guys can help us achieve our little goal and we'll send you a little thank you as well i have some gifts that i can give away that maybe i can i can send to you guys so hopefully we get to that point and hopefully when we are at our 200th episode we'll be able to celebrate that but we aren't that far hopefully you guys will be able to get us there so all right now back to the rock we are going into the first encore then we'll go into the second encore that's how this deal works ed says when i came in i looked up at the highest level high definitely being the emphasized word there i felt like i can imagine the conversation when they put this together it's a little steep either we don't serve beer up there or we can put in some railings 
So they put in some railings. And they mentioned our favorite person from this country. We're going to play a song by Uncle Neil. To sing like Neil, you got to sing high, but you don't got to sing perfect. In fact, for Neil, one of the things that he taught us was if it ain't perfect, it's perfect. So I'm sure this is going to be the perfect version. And that's where we get into a rendition of Needle and the Damage Done. For anybody that's followed the podcast in the last couple of months, we have not been playing any Neil Young songs because we do not want to get in trouble with Spotify, with anything that he has going on over there, taking his music off. So unfortunately, and I'll just tell you guys right now, if you want to listen to it, head on over to YouTube. There is a version over on YouTube. But I love this. I really love this. And I think it's only two minutes long. It's very... It's very short. It's just Ed, obviously, because it's just an acoustic song. But you can tell here, after saying all that, he's blatantly doing his Neil impression on this. Oh, yeah. It's right in his wheelhouse. And, you know, this is the version that he's done, you know, at home to himself, you know, practicing a million times. And, yeah, it felt really good. I mean, this is one that they've only done it seven times. This is the sixth one. I can't see how, why they haven't done this more often. You can tell that he loves singing it, and he does a really good job on it. Yeah, I'm with you. This is really good. Loved I th- it. I think the seventh version was one of the pre-show songs, right? Mm. I think if so. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So that's all kind of leading into the band coming back on stage, and they're going to do Thumbing My Way into Sleeping By Myself. Thumbing My Way I thought was fantastic. When they get into a good version of the song, they're able to capture a mood. And this one's a little bit different because it's on electric instead of acoustic. So it has more of an uplifting vibe to it. And when you're playing an acoustic, it's a little bit more downtrodden. It's a little bit more, as as you said before, nothing as it seems, is a little bit more stark. So it feels more uplifting and it feels like it's some of the way that it is strumming in this too it's just like lighter chord strums it just allowed for this song to feel like there was more of a light at the end of the tunnel rather than you kind of get and i've always had this vision because obviously the one line in the song you know no matter how cold winter there's a springtime ahead it's like a hitchhiker walking through the snow i think all of us kind of have some sort of version and vision of that when we hear the song but this is kind of like springtime seems to have bloomed and this is the version that sees that and can kind of move on and move forward and look at the future no matter how cold the winter there's a springtime ahead Around my neck. Oh, I can't see 
they're seated for this part of the set, which I think adds to the ambiance and the atmosphere of it. I think, yeah, I'm with you. Thumbing My Way is fantastic, and I love whenever it pops up in a set. And you can tell that they know that they've got something with it because Ed starts doing some little added vocal runs and like some different phrasings and stuff. Kind of screams it at one point too. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of he's he's playing around with it and doing some different things. You know that he only does that when he's comfortable and and feeling good with it. So yeah, another fantastic version. And like this little seated part here is so interesting because you know Needle and the Damage Done is kind of a mood song, and then Thumbing My Way is just fantastic and sets this great energy in the room, and then. They're going to come out and do Sleeping by Myself, which is not that. And then they're going to go back into Wash, which is another really good, like, moody, kind of had a little bit of edge to it. I thought, like, a nice groove. And, like, Sleeping by Myself, I thought, just complete outlier here. Like, if it was Needle the Damage Done and the Thumbing My Way into Wash, like, oh, I would have been just in a puddle on the floor. Yeah. But yeah, they, they decide to break it up with the lightning bolt track there for some reason. Yeah, the, before This encore I... one is all over the place. Even before we get to the big moment later on, like, just makes no sense on paper. <laughs> You're right, it doesn't. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second after Wash. And Wash, on that hand, is just... First of all, it feels like it's out of nowhere the same way that I'm Open did. Right from the beginning strum of that chord, you can tell, like, okay, this is a moment. Because Wash, after the first couple, you usually say, all right, well, these songs are now out and we're not hearing them at this show. But then the encore, which it isn't completely out of the question that they do Wash in an encore. It has happened before a couple of times. But in 2016... It's pretty much solidified a song in the beginning, but oh man, this is a heck of a version. rhythm guitar from stone like the way stone and mike play together on this you know even going back to the early days it's one of the best examples of them playing off each other and complimenting each other very well and that that plays out here again with you this is this is one of the highlights of the show so now we get comatose and lightning bolt i think you said some randomness in the main set i believe that this has to be that right here um they've done comatose and encore before it's not totally random it would never make sense for a show nowadays like that one's probably in the pile of if they ever do it again it's it's more of a one-off type of thing but to build back up at a wash i think you needed something that like the fans could sing with and really kind of attach to more of an earlier era song from 10 or versus vitalogy sort of thing 
and it affects Lightning Bolt, which is a very good version of Lightning Bolt, but it affects it because now it's sort of like, okay, well, we're getting some late. And, and look, I think a lot of people love these albums, so I'm not trying to pull this vibe in of like, okay, well, you know, we just got Wash, but it's still in a way, you want to follow Wash up with something really strong. That's a difference between like an instant classic show and a very, very good show. It just felt a little scattered and discombobulated. Like it kind of lost the momentum a little bit in Encore One here. But yeah, I mean, like you said, Lightning Bolt's a great version. There's kind of an extended jam at the end, a long solo, but it just didn't feel like it fit in. It felt like it would have been better, gotten gotten a better spotlight somewhere else. So, all right, I think we just go right into the moment here. This is the moment from <laughs> Everything this show. else we've talked about doesn't matter. Yeah, this is this is the special thing. So, as we mentioned in the beginning, Ed points to somebody in the crowd and says, I know you, you know, I'll come back for you later. So now, comes back to the crowd, brings him up, and then he takes a seat right next to Stone. Ed introduces him. So, I uh, just want to introduce Quebec if you don't know him already. Quebec, this is Noah. Noah, this is Quebec. Quebec City. And and I I, I saw Noah, I I, I saw where Noah was playing this next song. And, um, and, and And it's one I wrote, and it took me a while to figure it out. And um, it, it reminded me of like a Slater Kinney song, something I remember. But um, and then I and then I, I saw a clip of him playing it with his pop, and he played it much better than I ever did. Crazy. And that's Noah right there. I asked him if he wanted to play. He said, "Well, I'm, I might die." <laughs> so. No pressure, you can just sit and hang out and you can just watch, but you're welcome to play too. Yeah, you're good. You look good.
expect Ed to pull somebody out of the crowd and come and play because it's just feels like such a deep track. But, you know, Ed kind of comes over to Noah and like Stone is is encouraging him the whole time. They're they're huddling with him, they're rocking out with him and, and making him feel comfortable up there, which is very cool. And you have to think in his eye, he was just like wide-eyed and bushy-tailed the whole entire time. I mean, he's a young kid. I think they said he was like 10. You have to think that like this is kind of an out-of-body experience. So to his credit, obviously, he goes for it. He says he he was a little bit nervous to play it, but he goes for it. The way that you're able to hear him play, it sounded like he had it, you know? It sounded really good from his spot. There's a couple of interesting things about this, and yeah, it's an absolutely great moment. Anytime that a fan gets brought on stage to be part of the band, it's absolutely memorable. The first thing I I noticed that this is cool, like, and we talked to Josh Arroyo, who got to play on Yellow Lip Bitter, and they brought him back, and he got to go backstage and practice and get vetted and all that stuff. But with Noah here, they just reach in and bring him out of the crowd. Like, he doesn't get any you know practice time i think the story is his mom had taken this video of him playing the song and like gotten it to the band somewhere like she had sent the link like hey my my son loves the song he's learned it and he would really love a chance to be there and whatever but there was a a little bit of i think parental kind of like nudging like go go get him go get him yeah like you said all all credit to the kid he holds it together they bring him up on stage he looks like a deer in the headlights 10 years old he'd be what 16 now like yeah. I hope, hope, hope he's doing great. But the funny thing that I noticed is like, because obviously, you know, they bring in a stool for him. He goes and kind of sits by by Stone's amp and they bring him a guitar and like puts on the guitar and like he starts doing things, playing along. And he's getting like a private lesson from Stone, like kind of Stone's taking him under his wing. But you immediately notice that you can't hear him playing. Like he starts doing the riff. You just don't hear it. A roadie has to come out. I think the guitar tech comes out because there's a there's a little volume knob on guitars. People know. I think what happened was the volume was turned all the way down on the guitar, so the tech has to come out and like spin the knob to get the volume up a little bit. And he's trying to do it so fast and not interrupt and not interfere that he doesn't get it up all the way. So his guitar is very very quiet, and everyone else I think drops out. At one point, Stone drops out, and you can you start to hear it a little bit. And yeah, I mean, it sounds like he's got the riff. He's definitely practiced it. He he knows it. He's not even like watching his fingers for some of it. He's just doing it, which you know he's that's muscle memory. Like he's practiced it. But it's cool to see because I think there's a moment where like you know Mike and Jeff are kind of standing on the other side of the stage watching him, and Ed's Mike trying to his way over to solo. Yeah, exactly. Too. Ed looks over and tries to get him to do like a big rock move, but he's like concentrating so hard that he doesn't even notice. And he's just as like, all right, you do your thing. But yeah, then they, they all kind of like work their way over. Like you, like you said, Mike goes over and does the soul over there by him. And they all kind of have this nice little moment and it's just really adorable. And like, what can you say? Like he did absolutely great. And like me at 10 years old, like I would have been a mess. I would not have been able to do that. So Shout out to Noah, did a did a great job on Sad. Like again, great song to pick. Nice job on that. And afterwards, you know, you kind of see in the video like they kind of come off and his his parents kind of go like they walk off. They get to go over the barricade and walk off, and they get to watch the rest of the show from the side of the stage. So yeah, just an absolute great moment for him. And he's smiling the whole entire time, like yeah, having a blast. Yeah. yeah, like being ten years old, you still have these dreams. Like the dreams are vivid, and the dreams seem in some way when you're that young approachable because you don't know 
what your life is going to become. So yeah, very well could have in, you know, 20 years been up on stage playing a show like that, you know, that, that if that's his dream, the idea could happen. It could come to fruition because the world is wide open to it. We don't have that as adults very often. They seem more of like sort of fantasies when we do it now. And that's because we kind of understand our place in all of this. But when you're a kid, like everything is just, the world is still fascinating to you. And any moment that you get that you're made to feel special is unforgettable. They legit made this kid's dream come true. It doesn't happen often. You know, the the kid that wants to go out there and hit a game-winning home run for the New York Yankees in the World Series, that doesn't happen. It just doesn't. Nobody brings you into that situation to make sure that you can do it. It can't. It's impossible. 20 years later, can it? Sure, of course. But at this stage in the game, no. All you have is your dreams and and what's right in front of you. And for this one lucky kid, this one lucky 10-year-old, he was able to do it before he became a teenager. And that's quite incredible. I give him all the credit in the world for, you know, sticking with it up there. And Ed says afterwards, you're a badass. That took a lot of guts. And yeah, amazing. Just, just fantastic. And I think that for all of us, we're living vicariously through moments like this, as, as I mentioned, because we know in a way that it's sort of unachievable for us as much as we would want it. So the next one is uh, played for Noah's mom and dad. And it can be considered the 2016 cover. And if you've heard us talk about that, you know, there are certain years and certain tours where you can tell that the band was high on a certain song, like Fortunate Son for 2003 and Let My Love Open the Door for 1995. These songs kind of like bounce around a little bit and maybe later in the game, they kind of bring them back. Like I am, I'm a Patriot or something like that. Street Fighting Man from this past year. But Surrender was like the 2016 song. They played it at both the Wrigley shows. They played it in Madison Square Garden the day before where Rick Nielsen and Tom Peterson went and played with them. And I think we talked about this the last time we talked about it was doing the Wrigley Month, which was a whole two years ago now. And I, I sort of remember you being real down on it because, you know, Cheap Trick isn't your thing, but also it doesn't seem to be much of a fit for Pearl Jam at all. And I kind of agree with that. Yeah, this does nothing for me. It's like, leave this song to the Thursday night bar bands in your small town somewhere. Like, Pearl Jam has no business doing this. And I know, you know, Cheap Trick is one of those bands that, obviously, you know, they played with them and they're friends with them, so there's a there's a time. But, you know, I don't like it when Pearl Jam does super hits of the 70s. That doesn't do anything for me. And I think especially coming after a big moment like Sad, like, this just kills any kind of momentum that the set had yeah i didn't n- not not a big fan of this i mean the the song itself is fine the the cheap trick version but just leave it leave it as it was leave it in the past i think a lot of people will disagree with that and say because there are there are a lot of people this is rock and roll you know like that's a a legendary rock and roll song from a legendary rock and roll band so i think that a lot of people would see that and say oh pearl jam doing that especially it's the third of five times in total i think a lot of people would see that and be like oh man like that's them playing a band that they were influenced by and it happens a lot like i think it's it's kind of in the same category as comfortably numb where it is 
them doing a radio hit and hear songs like Know Your Rights when they when they do something like that and you think, okay, they're pulling out a song that maybe like the most casual Clash fan isn't familiar with. Alright, so what's gonna end this encore one is gonna be Porch, obviously, because it's gotta end an encore or a main set something. And, you know, it's a lot of ride symbol from MFC here, which means the pace is just being driven and, and going upwards and everything like that. And it's a, another very energetic and electric kind of version. Mike has a very piercing solo sound in it and pulling out just pretty much every trick that he has from the Stevie Ray Vaughan to the Hendrix. And it's mostly Hendrix and uh, every little gizmo and gadget in between. Like Mike takes a lot of opportunities at the show takes advantage of all of them and it's all the late lightning bolt era where it's making McCready the show. That's just what it is. Yeah, this version I think Ed too had the mirrored guitar out and he was reflecting the spotlight out on people and then he kinda goes out in the front row of the crowd and does the haze and does the last verse out there. So it had all of the good porch moments that you want there and Mike and Stone kinda jammed together at the end too. Yeah, yeah, nothing wrong with it. Brought me back to it after Surrender. So now we're opening our Encore 2. Ed introduces everybody in the band with a French accent and says it's kind of the local baseball team, the Capitals, who made them a 25th anniversary jersey. That's pretty cool. If you want to see that, that's on YouTube. And this next one, like many of them, were written by Stone, and that's going to be Daughter. Think of all these songs. I'm just going to go right down the line here. Six songs. Daughter. Do the Evolution, Jeremy, Black, Alive, Bob O'Reilly. That is a murderer's row of fan favorites, of hit songs, of songs that get massive crowd reactions. This whole section, what'd you think? It was needed after the just randomness of Encore One. You needed to bring this home. It felt like you were paying off what the crowd had, had done this whole night. And this is where you're just coming out and it's just uppercut after uppercut heavy hitters all the way through i mean each one's better than the last one this it's a great daughter with the it's okay tag it's a great do the evolution black is absolutely stellar i thought mike's solo on black is one of the great versions best i've heard in it's a wonderful version absolutely Um, yeah yeah
bring it home with Alive and Bob O'Reilly and a lot of really good crowd moments. Again, the, the band just being in great spirits and a great mood and having a great time. Yeah, it was it was a nice way to bring the show home. A little sneaky, nice little moment here, and it happens a little bit, but not all the time, but I like when it does, is that in Jeremy, that little King Jeremy the Wicked line, Cameron doesn't do much background vocal in this. He kind of will do the back and forth with Ed to try to forget this. That little part where he comes in and just has that backing touch with Ed is just fantastic. Jeremy has had some like changes a little bit here and there, but that's one of them for the better, for sure, that Cameron can have his little part where he's not doing backups for the whole thing, obviously, but, you know, he just comes in and it's like, ooh, okay, I hear something. That's Matt Cameron. Sounds fantastic. I thought that was a little cool moment. There's a funny thing, too. I think of... Ed, you know, has got the tambourines out for Bob O'Reilly, and as the song is starting, he's off to the side, like he goes over to Mike's side and tosses a, a tambourine up into the reserve section. I think he realizes it as he's throwing that, like, he has to start singing in approximately 0.02 seconds. Before the tambourine even lands, he's sprinting back to the microphone for that yell at the beginning of the song. It comes in kind of late. I think you can hear it, like, you're like, oh, he felt like he missed that. He was 20 feet over, off to the side throwing a tambourine. He's all over the place on this. Everyone and their their grandma got a tambourine at this show. And there's a funny moment, too, where he gets to the end of the song and he, he's got the last one and he kind of, like, does a big, like, throw, kind of hurls it out into the middle of the pit, like, as far as he can throw it. And he kind of watches it and he kind of winces. It looked like it felt like it might have, like, hit someone in the head or something. He kind of does, like, oh, sorry. That That was funny. And then Mike's out on the front row playing, I think, during a live, and Bob O'Reilly goes out and does the solo in the middle of the crowd. So just very crowd-friendly, you know, very happy and a good mood when they're, you know, he's doing his his post-show little thank yous and speeches he throws in. Oh, you know, we'll never forget this one. And, yeah, it was great. I think they even brought Noah out uh, at the end of the show to take the bow with him, which was cool. He's holding on to a set list, and he's got a tambourine, and Ed gives him some picks, and, like, He's just kind of got his hands full, like grasping on this stuff for dear life, like I'm never letting this go. They have kind of a nice moment where after the band leaves, Ed kind of takes him, puts his arm around him, and kind of talking with him, walking off the stage, and kind of try to give him, give him like a fist bump, and like, hey man, you know, like they have a, they have a nice little moment. So that was that was a nice way to bring this one to a close. For all you mothers and fathers out there, great way to get your kid on stage is to teach them a song and have Eddie be very impressed by it. Don't be the B-girl though. Don't don't be the B-girl. Don't don't be the B-girl. Don't be the B-girl, but you can be the the humble, the wonderful Noah or the Kai Nukermans of the there world. Those are better role models than the Blind Melon. Hey, Kai and Noah are the same age, maybe they can start a band. Oh, that would be very cool. Yeah. That would be very cool. Yeah. We'll see. We'll they have look. the the band of Pearl Jam cameos. Yeah. See if that ever comes into fruition in the future. <laughs> Hit us up, guys. We'll, we'll, we'll put it together. We'll put it <laughs> Why not? We've come into that stage, right? All right. Uh, we got 
35 songs that we just went through. It's time to do three moments. I suppose I am first this week. I'm going to go for moment number three is I'm open into MFC. I'm open just being sort of a, just a shock for me because I've never sort of given it the time of day. I've seen it twice and it felt more of a transition. And maybe this was more like blossoming and kind of got spread out a little bit. But, you know, even into MFC too, I think the combo was, was really, really well done. But, yeah, this is really the first time I've, I've thought of I'm Open as anything more than a transition. So I was very impressed by it. The number two moment for me is going to be Wash because it's Wash in an encore and it's just Wash, period. So that's reason enough that it could be number two. And the number one is sad because... It's the moment to take out of this, and it's wonderful to see that a kid got to live out his dream, and I want to live vicariously through it because we all want to be 10 years old again. So, yep, that's my three. I'm going to go a little bit different. My number three is going to be Light Years. My number two is going to be Sad, and my number one is Given to Fly because I think the speech before Given to Fly, the way that that, that was played, I think deserves to be what it is and yes the sad moment is great but it's it's a moment because of knowing because he's a kid and his age and like it's it's that moment but as far as like moments that i'll take away from this performance wise i think given to fly is number one all right yep they were different for sure and yeah i can't discount the given to fly moment either that was such a a wonderful powerful speech so yeah yeah you hit it on the head right there But now we are in the position of rating this show, and I am the one to go first. I don't have much to say. I don't have much to say. Like I was, I was impressed. It was, it was a really nice show that had a set list that is pretty unique, and from a place that isn't like a a destination place for for Pearl Jam, like a Toronto would be up there. And usually, when they've gone there, they've kind of gone to Montreal and you know that's the bigger city so that's sort of what they've done but you always think of these shows and you're thinking like okay what do the locals think of this and how do they enjoy it and what do they take out of that night and i do remember a very very early request from our listeners in the early like four years ago should say is that somebody requested quebec city and i haven't heard from this person in a while and i don't remember the name but they kept saying it like every time there was something to be talked about they kept saying quebec city quebec city so i hope they're they listen to this one and i you know it's one that i'm sure much more valued to the people that were there than maybe the community as Pearl Jam fans as a whole, but I think that's sort of as we've talked about before, that's kind of our way to make sure that it does get a little bit of a spotlight. And that's why I think I'm at like, I'm like kind of weirdly in between an eight and a eight and a half, but I can give it an eight and a half and be okay with that. I think that's fine for this. It has a good moment. It has a couple very, very good moments to take away from it where you could say Quebec City 2016. Oh, that's that's Noah that played sad. That's that's the moment from that. And I think that's pretty important for any show to have that pinpoint. But it wasn't exactly an instant classic in a way. It's just a very, very good. And that's totally fine. And it's totally listenable, and I recommend it as much as I recommend anything else. So I'm, I'm there with an 8.5. I think I'm right there with you at uh, at 8.5. I think it had the potential to be an instant classic, but I think there were a couple of, of things that keep it from getting there. 
it might be a tad too long. But again, we can nitpick about every show and it is what it is. But I'm with you. The thing that makes it an 8.5 is the really positive energy on stage. The band's obviously in a great mood. They're having a great time. A lot of the speeches are great. The performances are great. The Noah moment is obviously special. And I think even if that moment hadn't happened, I think this is still eight and a half for me. Like, very, very good show. Again, recommended. Great night. And I hope they can recreate some of that tomorrow. And we, we have just, just as good of a show to talk about. Absolutely. And for anybody listening, that name might be Noah and might be 16. Say hello to you and hope, hoping for the best and hope, hopefully you're going to the show tomorrow and, and are going to enjoy it. And if you want to report back to us with some things that you liked from it, if you are going, then we'd love to hear from you. So reach out. We always love the people that are getting involved and intertwined in the Pearl Jam world. So, yes, that is it for Quebec City 2016, but not it for Quebec City 2022, as we'll have much, much more on that as the week goes on. It's happening tomorrow night. It's then going to be the reaction episode on Friday, the concertpedia write-up on Friday. Definitely tune into those and just taking everything about this band that you can because this might be the last time in 2022 it might be a while before they go back out on tour again you know album ed's voice got to shape up you know some things have to happen before they can really get back to where they want to be but yeah following along and and having this and, and stuff like that i hope you guys are are enjoying it all because we're enjoying giving it to you so we're not done with the location tribute yet to shows that are going to be on this tour and that's because next week we're actually instead of the day before the show happens we're doing one the day after the show happens so there's gonna be a lot of hamilton happening on the 7th which that actually happens to be our four-year anniversary or fourth birthday so we'll do a little bit of talking about that maybe we'll do a quick run through of the history of live on four legs or something like that but hamilton 2005 a cool little show right there and there will be a lot of hamilton that day reaction episode concert like we said obviously we're not going to be able to react to the actual show during the actual episode because it's going to be recorded much before that but we'll prepare you guys as much as we can for listening to the bootleg, I suppose. And again, it'll all be within reaction and concertpedia. So excited for that. Excited for the month of September as well. Remember we're on the way for our 200 episode and we are looking to hopefully get to 200 patrons. And if we do, then we'll give every new patron a little bit of a gift as a thank you. So hopefully you guys are interested in doing that for a dollar a month patreon.com slash live on four legs and helping out and look if you listen to on the main platforms you could still help out as well spotify apple podcast just give us a, a rating hopefully a five-star rating and on apple if you want to leave us a comment and let other people know how we're doing what our show's about then that would be greatly appreciated because this is the third week in a row that i'm going to say it we haven't got anybody doing it yet, so it could be you, my friend. If you leave us a comment on Apple, we will send you a free bootleg of any show that you would like that you don't have a bootleg of. That is our promise. That is our gift to you for commenting on Apple Podcasts. And when you do, just maybe give us a heads up so we know where to find it. So, yes, all gifts all around. And hopefully this whole entire tour will be a gift for everybody. Until next week. 
This may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, miss you already. Miss you always. Enjoy the tour, you guys. I got nothing more to say than that. It's going to be beautiful. It ain't perfect. It's perfect. Guts. That is awesome.